You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If this is your first time here, in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which was recorded on the evening of February 19th, 2023, Aaron and I foolishly stumble into the path of oncoming weird Canadian news. We discuss the ongoing attack on chapters and indigo bookstores. We laugh at Toronto's pathetic podcasting police. We pay close attention to distraction theft. And we hear a story of horror in Guelph. So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. We're back, baby. It's Sunday night. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. It's Sunday night. We're back, like you said. And I'm just feeling back in Sunday-ish. Yeah, you're feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. It's holiday long weekend, so I'm looking forward to sleeping in on a Monday tomorrow. That'll be nice for me. They should make this the Valentine's long weekend. It's weird to have a long weekend right after Valentine's, right? I don't find it weird at all, to be no? honest. No. It'd just be it'd be weird if they had a Valentine's long weekend. I would enjoy if that. If they did, yeah. If they had a stat holiday for Valentine's Day, that would be weird. But I don't find it weird to have Valentine's Day on Tuesday and then a long weekend following it for unrelated reasons. Speaking of Valentine's Day, we're recording now the 19th of February. We're five days post-Valentine. Uh, did you have a nice day or night or week related to Valentine's? Did anything special happen to you? Were you kissed? Uh, none of your business. Okay. We, you and I have talked about this Um you often ask me when, if, how I've been kissed, and I don't want to tell you. This is all throughout our lives, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, lengthy phone conversations. In the where you're of asking the night. very intimate details about my kissing history, my kissing future, and I don't want to tell you. I don't want you to okay. know. I, okay. I want you to always be guessing uh about my lips i can tell a mile away if you've been kissed uh but let's move on <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, a mile away just on some kind of a computer kissing computer and you're entering in the data yeah and, like, oh yeah. kissed kiss oh, kissed, yeah my educated guess is that he has been kissed it's not an exact <laughs> science but all probabilities and all signs point to a kissed Last time we spoke, you talked about um, you were playing uh, music at an event called Battle of the Sads at Dr. Luke's Coffee Shop mm. in Sydney, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, it was sort of like a, something between an open mic night or, or like really a songwriter's circle. No. You could not even that. It's it was a battle of um, who can play the saddest song. So every musician gets two songs and uh, the order is based off of drawing from at random so as each performer goes up they make a new draw for who's next and yeah and everyone plays two, two songs and then the audience votes on who had the saddest song of the night is the, and this is like a, a valentine related it's event? it's always it's based off of valentine's day and it's always kind of you know usually the weekend before or the weekend after valentine's day well, tell us, we're on the edge of our seats here. How did you do? Did you are, break Oh, you're hands? on the edge of your seat, are you? Okay. Always. <laughs> Always. Yeah, I don't believe you. But um, I ended up not playing a song because... Because you were what? just too sad from the uh, other songs? Here's what happened. Okay. So I agreed to do... I've, I've done this. It's a fundraiser for um, the university radio station, Caper Radio. And I've done this fundraiser for the past seven years, ever since they started it. I've done it every year, mm -hmm. and every year I've never come close to playing the saddest songs because I don't really have a lot of sad songs in my repertoire. So what ended up happening is I agreed to do it a couple of months ago. You know, when something's far in the future, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah I'll figure something out. I'll help you move. Sure, just call me that Yeah, morning. yeah, just call me when the time comes. Yeah. So... <laughs> I've been thinking, like, what am I going to do? Like, any remotely sad song that I know, I've already done in this competition over the past seven years. Okay. So I had no, no ideas. So I was thinking about it and thinking about it, and nothing was coming to my mind. I started learning a Nick Cave song, and I just didn't 
put the time into it and got lazy with it and was busy. And I was like, oh, well, that's not an option anymore. I don't have any more time left to learn that. I went to ChatGPT and asked ChatGPT to write me a sad song. It was terrible. I wouldn't do it. And the day of the show came and I'm like, I have nothing. I have nothing to play. I have no ideas, nothing. So I get there and I'm like, I'll just show up and maybe something will come to me in the moment uh, while I'm sitting there in the venue waiting. <laughs> so, the, so as you, I mentioned before, these the order is drawn at random. So I don't know when I'm going to be on. So I'm sitting there and each performer is going up and playing and then drawing a name pulling someone's name out of the hat it's not me the show keeps rolling on it's are not you like me. sweating it like what me. am i going to do when they call my name and i have to and play i'm a still song? yeah and so guess who ended up getting picked dead last and being forced to close the show was me <laughs> the guy who had nothing prepared so what did you do i went up and i and here's the thing that the girl that followed me the girl that played second last yeah. wrote a song Not that about, followed you, that preceded you. Preceded me, sorry, yeah, excuse me. Preceded me was a girl, a young girl who played a song about school shootings. And she broke, and it was a really nice, well-written song. Um, very sad. Um, and she was crying while she was singing it. It was very emotional, and it was very fitting for the show and then i had to follow her as the closer because that was the random order oh my gosh the idiot who had nothing prepared had to follow the act that actually won the whole thing so i get up there and everyone's like oh and i'm looking at the crowd i'm like how do i follow that because she was crying while she sang it it was very emotional and then i started strumming an e minor chord on the guitar <laughs> And I was like, I got to be honest, I have absolutely nothing prepared for this at all. Oh, my God. And then I just started ranting about I had nothing prepared. And I said, I wasn't even going to do this show this year. I can't I don't like doing this anymore. I don't have anything to contribute to it. And I started telling the story about how I had nothing, what I just told you. And I started ranting at the audience. And I said, I'm done with this. I've given this competition everything I've had over the seven years. So my official entry is this speech. I'm not playing a song and I'm never, ever doing this show ever again. And I put my guitar down and I walked off. <laughs> I don't know if you're serious or joking. No, I'm dead serious. Yeah, dead serious. There was <laughs> and a... You wonder why listeners are mad at you. Well, how? No one's going to forget my performance, though. That's true. Everyone's going to walk away with an experience in their Yeah, that, I guess that's rock and roll, right? That is, yeah. Like, you know, you remember nirvana smashing their instruments you know that you remember aaron showing song. up yeah. unprepared for the sad unprepared song contest. with absolutely nothing for the sad song you know the place was packed too like it was <laughs> <laughs> so anyway after that girl after i followed that very emotional performance with ended up winning the competition good what else could i do what could i play after that absolutely nothing being maybe you could have just said like i forfeit that was amazing give a hand no but i her. wanted that speech to be my entry because that speech was sad not in a traditional sense it wasn't sad as like oh my grandfather died or or my you know i lost my dog it was sad in a pathetic way and i think that is should be considered as an option you gave it a shot and you lost um all yeah. right well i didn't expect all that we no no me either i didn't want to dig that up again i don't you want made you, me i don't want you to be sad so Actually, that's a perfect segue. You just said you didn't want to dig that up again, but I made you. I'm about to play a recording I received from a voice you may remember from your past. Okay. I, I believe that the voice you're going to hear is responsible for a significant debate that surrounded Reese and Rhesus. <laughs> Classic. Okay. Yep. Tell me if you recognize this voice. I already know who it is. Hi, Aaron. It's Ellen. You just can't leave the show. You're like, well, next to Jordan, you're the best thing that's ever happened. And I would miss you so much. You have the greatest personality. So please, please don't go. You're the greatest. Thanks, Aaron. Oh, you I can't forget love Ellen. her. Oh, my <laughs> God. Well, Ellen was so great because she started this tsunami debate. Mm -hmm. uh, she may be the Reese? first Aaron hater. Yeah, she started off against me, very upset with me over my pronunciation of Reese versus Reese's, where I <laughs> pronounced it Reese. And 
And so at first, yeah, Ellen and I butted heads, you know, we did. And, um, but now we're, we're buddies, you know, she sent me a picture and, uh, now she's standing in my defense and I very much appreciate her voicemails and her efforts. And I appreciate her all together very much and thank and, her. And I like that she doesn't let you off. If she has a problem with something you're saying, you say, she'll tell me, but when push comes to shove, I think she has your back. I think she does too. And I have her back to a degree. Uh, here's another caller. I'll play this last one before we get into our topics for tonight. This is someone else who has your back. I would call this a radical Aaron supporter. Okay. Hey guys, I listen to your show all the time. Um, I live in Toronto and I look forward to actually listening to your podcasts on my way to work. And one of the reasons why I mainly come and visit uh, this show all the time is because of Aaron. So if you guys get rid of him, I will be uh, unsubscribing. And I don't know what those people are talking about. He's like the funniest person. He's so kind. And I just don't think that the show will be the same. Like I literally look for the podcast with Aaron in it. So please do not get rid of him. And Aaron, do not listen to those people because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're just miserable. <laughs> they are just miserable. They are. A lot of these listeners of this show, with the exception of the ones who have called into my defense, are miserable, I find. <laughs> well, I just, uh, I think there's been a misunderstanding. There was never the discussion about like, and by night calling nighttime, like us, there has never been a discussion about us, which I su assume is me and my son getting rid of Aaron. Um, mm, that was never on the son. table. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about it. We didn't you consider that option. Yeah. If much more Randy bad, did, Randy did. Yes. That's maybe what she misunderstood. Mm. If she heard me and Randy talking on that episode yeah. two weeks ago, um, maybe that's it. She thinks Randy and I are going to get rid of you. Oh, if, and if we do, Aaron, we'll be men and we'll sit you down and we'll have a face to face talk. We'll record the whole thing too. And I'll, and you should, cause, cause I'll be lashing out uh, <laughs> physically. So you'll want to <laughs> record it. If you and Randy ever sit me down, about uh, anything? there's going to be a couple haymakers being thrown your way. I can tell you, I'm a violent man. A lot of people may not uh, think me as that yeah but it'll be I, you uh, ellen if it's like a wrestling match ellen can be your manager ellen's she can in my tag down. no i want ellen in the ring with me i want her to be my tag team partner and we'll be called uh uh the Reese's connection oh i like it i like it um well hopefully it never comes to that we we've wasted a lot of time we've promised the audience that we will keep canada weird by seeking out and highlighting some of the more fascinating and offbeat things that played out in canada over the last week this week's episode we have a loaded card we have the ongoing attack on chapters slash indigo books we're going to talk about toronto's pathetic podcasting police we're going to we're going to discuss distraction theft and then horror in Guelph. Uh, you want to start this with chapter slash indigo? Do you even know what's going on? Um, to insinuate that I don't know what's going on is insulting. Uh, I always know what's going on. I have feelers in every inch of this country. Uh, they're little tiny bugs that report back to me. They're called so you, feelers. Yeah. So you know. Um, yeah, I know. I didn't realize what was happening until I went to Chapters uh, slash Indigo, which are uh, a, a chain of bookstores, I think, across Canada and the U.S., if not beyond. But I went there to get a birthday present for someone. And when I went up to the cash register, uh, there was signs everywhere like cash only. Luckily, I had cash in my pocket. So I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Their systems are down. So I had like a 20 in my pocket. So I go to buy the book. And rather than like her, like the lady, the cashier, like scanning it, she took out like this big book, this like ledger. And she looks at the back of the book and she writes down the number, like this pin number or something. And then she uses a calculator to calculate like how much I need to pay. And then I like pass her the 20 and she writes something else down and gives me the change from this little box. And I'm like, thinking like, what the hell is this like the early 80s or something? Like what is happening here? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I mentioned it to Mrs. Nighttime and she said, Oh, yeah, like all hell's broke loose in chapters indigo like they've been like, down for month for days. So with that as the background, let me play you this short news clip, which will give you a, a bit more educated of an explanation of what's going on. 
The popular carnival game is now available to play at home. Gabe Lee is still waiting for the game he ordered from Indigo as a Valentine's Day surprise for his girlfriend. It's pretty uh, disappointing. Um, I kind of hope that it would arrive for my girlfriend and I to play. Lee keeps checking his order status. Each time, he's directed to a notice saying Indigo has experienced a cybersecurity incident, which it's still investigating. I don't know what's going on, and Indigo is not giving any uh, information about what happened or what they're trying to do to resolve it. The incident began nearly a week ago, when Indigo's website and electronic payment systems crashed. In-store purchases are back to normal, but its online store is still down. I believe it might be a ransomware attack because it is, it's a large scale attack that has taken many days to recover. Ransomware is malicious software used by cyber criminals to lock files until the owner pays a ransom, sometimes millions of dollars. It has become one of the most popular types of cybercrime. According to a 2021 survey, 11% of Canadian businesses hit with a cybersecurity incident were impacted by ransomware. It is too easy to do from home. Like it's it's such an easy way for a hacker to figure out how to crack a system. And we have things like artificial intelligence now that will actually write ransomware for you. Paying ransom to cyber criminals can get costly, but so can running a business without a working website. It's gonna have an impact on their sales and reputation because Consumers are really focused on the reliability of the site, and if they can't go on and surf it, guess what, they're not going to come back. Experts say companies need to beef up their security systems because hackers are always hunting for new targets. It seems like it's uh, happening more and more often now that you hear of these large companies falling victim to ransomware, cyber mm. attacks, all this sort of stuff. Uh, the Canadian grocery chain, or maybe just the East Coast grocery chain, Sobeys recently, they were shut down all their systems for like a week or so, maybe I think last month, if I remember correctly. But now Chapters, right. but what I, what I think is unique with Chapters is it's now the 19th of February that we're recording this. I think that day I went in and, and nothing was working. It was like over a week ago. Like can, a company that size can get hacked and shut down for like 10 days. It's it's kind of wild yeah. that that can happen. It happens often. Yeah, it's not surprising that the attack happened, but it is a little surprising that it's taking this long for it to be resolved. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a ton of money that they're out in like oh my god yeah like it, to me like in terms of uh from the perspective of the customer i, I don't really see that major there's other places to get book you know it's not like it's gonna disrupt your life too mm -hmm. much uh but i i do have to point out in the story there was the young man who they interviewed at the very start <laughs> Yeah. I want to spend most of my time on this okay. guy. The guy who was okay. waiting for the game he bought for Valentine's Day. Yeah, exactly. For the world's most romantic Valentine. This is the weirdest part of the story <laughs> is that this young man ordered a video game as a Valentine's gift for his girlfriend. And I, and I tell you this, that would be a great Christmas gift, uh, arguably a great birthday gift. Mm -hmm. But Valentine's Day, my friend, that's a different kind of gift that you need to be giving uh, a video game that you're probably going to enjoy more than her is not a Valentine's Day gift. But some people, you know, you hear, oh, I'm trying to get fired from my job or whatever, or I'm doing this because I want to get fired. And mm. this is guy's looking to get dumped and he's <laughs> trying to get dumped. And he's like, I'm going to buy my girlfriend a video game uh, for Valentine's Day. Oh, anything, any other holiday but Valentine's Day. Sure, <laughs> get a get, you know, a, a a video game for her. You know, if if we don't believe you that she wants it, we really don't. Mm -hmm. But just taking taking you at his word that she does, still not on Valentine's it's Day, doesn't ring true. And also now he has to have the conversation of. Thanks for getting me the flowers and chocolates and paying for dinner. I got you something too, but it's a video game, you know, that you said that you thought was kind of cool. And, you know, I ordered it from Indigo and, uh, you know, it got cyber attacked. And <laughs> he's explaining this over a candlelit dinner at a <laughs> restaurant. And 
He's like, so I totally got you something, but I don't know when it's going to show up because of the cyber attack. So anyway. That is a pretty lame gift in a pretty lame series of events. I never really thought of that, about the the idea of getting a gift for Valentine's. a, A gift anyway on Valentine's, it would never really be like a monetary thing it's more so like my gift on valentine's would be like flowers and a box of yeah, chocolates or maybe a piece a car. of jewelry yeah maybe like if it's a new relationship and it's and it's highly sexual lingerie uh would be a nice valentine's day gift or something something erotic uh yeah. would be would be an appropriate valentine's day gift going to dinner uh, you know, maybe getting a hotel, making an evening of it, an experience, but uh, a video game is really not it. And we are so far off topic on this story, but yeah. this is really <laughs> the meat of it right now is this one idiot who yeah. is just looking to get fired from his relationship. I want to know what game it is, though, that he got. Yeah, hopefully it's two player. Hopefully, I doubt it is. It's probably some really deep cut RPG role playing like type thing that only he wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to be dressed up as an elf in the other room. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be on yeah. the couch on her phone on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's but something. you know, in in some gifts, it is the thought that counts in that gift that he's getting her. That's now late because of the cyber attack. The thought doesn't count. The thought is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting back to the cyber attack, there's some discussion in the Canadian government of of regulating businesses in some way to be adequately prepared for these cyber attacks because they're getting more and more frequent, more and more severe, and can cause a risk to our Canadian economy. I would think that simply the bad press of your company being a victim of a cyber attack with the addition of whatever financial repercussions come with having your systems down for days would be um, enough to persuade people to take the appropriate steps to protect their business. Uh, do you think this is something government needs to step in and change? I think it has to, in in the case of uh, Indigo and similar situations, it has to be something that uh, that particular business privately has to be prepared for. You know, these are these are dangers that lurk on the information superhighway and the more integrated we are with it the more we have to prepare ourselves the government can't do everything for us yeah just like they have security at the door to prevent you from walking out of there with stolen books they should have security on their website i think it's a different story when you hear of like a hospital you know that we had to cancel sure, all our surgeries because yeah. of some mm-hmm. cyber attack ransomware crap anything that that's publicly funded or government funded obviously yeah, that's a different the government story. should be very on top of Cybersecurity, but when it comes to a for-profit business that is is its own entity, then yeah, mm-hmm. they need to handle it themselves and handle it properly and mm-hmm. be prepared for it. Before we get to the next story, I just want to play one more little message that a fan sent into you. I was listening to Keep Canada Weird, and I was wondering if our hater, maybe her sense of humor is even drier than handsome Aaron Airport. Uh, Not excusing her, because, you know, I love you and want to keep you around. But I thought maybe we could look at it a different way. Keep Canada weird. So what she's suggesting is that the hater was actually being so dry and so sarcastic that this whole thing is some grand misunderstanding. No, it's not. If it was, that's all I have to say. But yeah. this if, is, I can feel hate when it's present. And just like I have little feelers out around the country regarding uh, keeping updated on cyber attacks, I also have hate feelers as well, which are also tiny bugs that report to me on who hates me. And the bugs told me that she hated me. And, and I believe the bugs. So, well, Let's get to the next story here. This one hits close to home because it involves podcasting. It yeah, involves government. It, it involves government <laughs> overspending. Uh, it uh, has our two uh, favorite things. Those are it, the two things that you and I, you know, talk about in our free time all the time. This story, it's like I'm almost laughing without getting even getting into it here. I'm, I'm gonna. I titled this portion of the episode "Toronto's Pathetic Podcasting Police." I think that's the best way to put it. In short, 
the Toronto police have spent an incredible amount of money creating a podcast about themselves or paying someone to make a podcast about themselves that has gone on to have next to no reach or audience. And now that C uh, that CBC is digging into the Toronto police's records through freedom of information requests, it's coming to light how ridiculous this all is. Let me read you some of the article here and we'll, we'll go through this. Toronto police are spending more than $300,000 worth of taxpayer money on a podcast with a limited audience. The podcast's objective, according to a statement provided by the police, is to offer a behind-the-scenes look at policing that takes more time than traditional media would ever offer. The Toronto Police Services said the podcast has reached 94,000 people, tracked, which is tracked either as plays on streaming services or views on YouTube, which means that each click to one of their files or episodes is worth about $3 of public money. And I should also say, I just want to step out for a second. Just because someone played the episode or played the video doesn't mean they finished it. I'm willing mm. to bet 60% of them max finish the episode. So I think even saying that each play was worth $3 is understating it. I think oh, it's yeah. likely closer to five. So I'll go on. Documents obtained by CBC Toronto show the podcast creation was initially was initially planned to be $90,000. However, despite the pilot season's limited reach, former police chief James Raymer signed off on a three-year extension to the deal worth an additional $247,800. Councillor Josh Matlow says he's happy TPS, the Toronto Police Service, is trying to communicate with the community, but doesn't know why the deal was sole sourced and also questioned whether this is a good use of public money as the city grapples currently with a massive financial crunch. Police leadership has been telling city council that the Toronto Police Services needs more money for core duties, including addressing violent crime, keeping our roads safe, and improving response time for emergency calls. Uh, Councillor Matlaw says the podcast spending feels incongruent with those statements. So that's, the, I guess, like the, the short version of the story. And they talked about it being sole sourced. And that's an important thing to uh, hit on when government or some poor division of the government is going to hire someone to do things. Generally, they get a couple people to offer a price and see, you know, what what the offers are that are out there. Uh, and they choose the best offer. Sole source would be going to one person and saying, like, we're not checking anywhere else. We want you to do this. Um, mm -hmm. I want to get into that a little bit more here because this this is a, another big part of the story. Um, first, actually, before I do that, what do you think of $300,000 on a podcast series? I think that we need to start reaching out to some police departments so that <laughs> you and I can record a podcast for them because I could do it for 20 bucks and yeah. cost wise and then invoice them for 300,000 and be done with it. So yeah, I've uh, been podcasting for about 10 years. I doubt I've paid and I've gone through I think three laptops over that period of time upgraded my mics a couple times traveled a bit. I don't know if I've spent $5,000 in that period and I've had episodes with more downloads than their entire seasons two seasons mm -hmm. or they have got they got 94,000 downloads. I'm surprised they got 94,000 downloads. Yeah, like I'm seriously. shocked that they got that much because I would have I would have first said you know, if I was working in the, that police department and this idea comes up at a staff meeting, I'd be like, no one's going to listen to this. Yeah. This is an awful idea. And 94,000, they should be very proud of that. That low, <laughs> low, pathetically low number <laughs> for Despite, the amount of money that they spent on yeah, the show. Yeah. And to, to be paying, like on an average, they're spent about $3 of money, according to them, about $3 per download. That is completely nuts. Um, but let's get into that sole sourcing. That was a part of the criticism against them. They didn't tr try some other places to see like, you know, we want to do a podcast. Let's check with five different people, including Aaron, who will do it for 20. Apparently um, there was some discussion about that. And here's coming from the article. There was no discussion on investigating if a better deal was out there with communications officials citing reasons to justify the sole sourcing. The reasons are, the podcasters were well known and their company had an exemplary advisory board of leadership. 
Further, the company that made the podcast, because it wasn't the police that made it, some third-party company made it for them. Mm -hmm. That company, according to the police, is the only podcast in Canada that will produce a podcast from beginning to end, including providing a host, a set, sound, and editing for a stylized, complete product. Now, I know that that's BS. Yes, it absolutely is. And they also say that no no detailed research is presented to support that prior statement. And the same reasons were used when justifying the extension of the podcast. So basically, they said the reason we don't need to check for pricing is this is the only people who can do it. And the board is exemplary because this company that made the podcast has a board of directors. And that's where the plot thickens. The show is produced by a podcasting company that makes shows primarily for government agencies, big brands, and of course, now police. The company co- and here's how it all starts. The company co-founder approached one of the company's board members, who just so happened to be the former deputy police chief of the Toronto police, uh, named Shauna Coxon, with plans or with, with interest in doing a podcast in the year 2020. Coxon, the former deputy chief of the Toronto police, brought the plan forward by communicating with the Toronto police. They say, referring to the owner of the company that made the podcast, Andy, and again, this is the former deputy chief who's no longer with the Toronto police talking to some higher ups in the communications area of the Toronto police. They say, speaking of Andy, who is the owner of the company that made the podcast, they say, Andy is nothing short of a character with mad skills and startups. He runs that cool podcast I showed you the deck on. Coxon writes in an email to the communications department. We yeah. need help in getting TPS, the Toronto Police, as a former as a formal community partner on the podcast. Anything uh, yeah. you want to say about this whole situation? Yeah, it's absurd. Like it's that completely nuts that somebody let this happen within the Toronto Police. Like nobody put the brakes on this insane idea because like you have it 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 really reminds me of like podcasting to some people sounds like oh you have to be techie you have to really be deep in the entertainment industry and and i could never do a podcast because i don't know what i'm doing so to have a company come around and say we're going to do everything for you we're going to put the podcast together, we're going to get a host, we have a studio and all things that you don't need to do a podcast, you know, to do a podcast. I mean, just as long as you have a half decent mic, you know, for the Toronto police to put one out, they want to at least sound professional, but anybody with a computer can do a podcast and put it together and make it sound good. And you don't have to really know what you're doing. Yeah. Is there not someone on the police force with some background where they're like, you know, anyone who works there, that's like, I've got three podcasts right now that none of you listen to. I could put it together. Yeah. For (laughs) free. Or, or just like in my, like, give me a, as part of my job, like, Hey, I maybe 20% of my time I spend on the podcast. I'll go in the car with some of the other employees with, I'll bring my mics with me. I'll interview them about what they do. And it'll be a true behind the scenes thing that isn't. Or if I do it on the side, like you could maybe, you know, I'll invoice you and, and per episode, I'll charge you, you know, 200 bucks or something or, or whatever. Like it could have been done so cheaply and probably by somebody way smarter than who is doing it. Um, and, And then I think, it is ridiculous as it is that it happened and the amount of money that was spent. When you think back about the idea that a part of the reason they chose this company to make it and didn't look around is one of the reasons they cite it was an exemplary board of directors. It turns out one of the board members of this company is the ex-deputy chief of the Toronto police and was the one who put this whole thing in motion. It's I think so. Like that, they need to answer some questions. I think. Too. Yeah, there's a real conflict of interest here. There's something and going on in companies been... like that, like those kind of uh, podcasting companies that are like there are so many companies and, and individuals out there that would love to do a podcast that are so afraid of the area of podcasting, like they just think they don't know enough and 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 it's too technical and they don't quite understand how easy it is to do a podcast the barrier of entry in podcasting is so low like that anybody can do it which is why it's so great yeah that's why it's great because you just get this wide variety of some terrible some amazing 
uh, and, and some, so like, and that's, I always say this, there's some there, it can be so niche because the barrier barrier to entry is so low that if you enjoy hearing people with British accents talk and you are obsessed with this fringe show from the 1980s, there's a pretty good chance that there's a British person in their bedroom recording themselves talking about this show from the eighties and releasing it as a mm -hmm. podcast. There may be 25 people listening because it's yeah. such a niche thing but that's the beauty of podcasting is there's everything is out there there is no reason why this had to cost that much money i'm certain if the toronto police given everything that's going on in policing in canada right now um especially in that city where they're in like facing a wave of violent attacks on their subway systems and everything else that are in the news i'm sure if they approach cbc and said we want to do like an hour long thing on your channel. You can, we'll give you full access to our police officers. You can bring people in the car. You can go out with them on calls. You can just hang around our office and film. I would be shocked if CBC said no. I dare say that the reason they did this is because they wanted to have some editorial control over how they were portrayed and what was said. And they were oh, willing absolutely. to pay. Yeah. Um, but again, awful. even to have that, they could still have had that control and gotten just someone talented and and professional to do it just just someone who could do it one individual that would put it together it would cost not even 15 percent of what they have probably paid for this thing but companies like that definitely prey on and i want to use the word prey as if they're they see an opportunity <clears throat> they see an opportunity to to go after government organizations and because they, and brands so you want it like I don't they've know, this... got budgets for things like this and they know that people in those organizations are just terrified of the word podcast but they want to have one and be like well we can do it for you and you don't have to do anything and people are going to pay big money especially like you know when you are approaching companies in the month of march who where their year ends are usually march 31st a lot of government uh, organizations and they have money that they need to spend by the end of march so when you approach those companies on March 1st and you're like, hey, why don't you give us $150,000 and we'll put this, you know, video documentary together for you or whatever, they might do it because they're like, if we don't spend this money, we have to give it back. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. One last thing about the story before we move on, and maybe this is a little bit of poetic justice, is uh, CBC were the ones who broke this story. They did it through a series of foy pop requests and they started the process of digging in and breaking this story a while back but it just happens that they got the majority of the foy pop the freedom of information requests back just recently so the the breaking of the story was was delayed uh, as a result of waiting for their freedom of information requests it's in the news now at the time where the city is deciding their budget for things like policing so i watched a news clip where i think it was the chief of police was kind of on stage like speaking to decision makers in Toronto about the different budgets and is being faced with questions about this podcast. The chief of police or whoever it was speaking, I think it was the chief of police, was asking for an increase of funding. And one of the decision makers specifically said, like, is any of this money going to be used for making podcasts or anything like that? And so it's it's coming back to haunt them. I'm sure someone is kicking themselves. Many people are kicking themselves for this happening. Oh, my God. But that's enough about the pathetic podcasting police. Uh, let's have a, a couple more pieces of listener mail before we move on. This one is the most serious piece of listener mail I think we've ever gotten. It's about you in support of you. It's also about me. It's about the show. And it's about the power of podcasting that when a podcast the power of what a podcast that doesn't spend money to create itself uh can do for people listen to this i've never gotten an email like this before this is from someone named carly it says hello jordan i just wanted to say thank you to you and aaron for being so entertaining last week my husband passed away and listening to the latest episode of keep canada weird was the first time i was distracted and not sad in over a week you guys get you guys do get some negative feedback so i want to make sure you know that when it counts you guys do make a difference heart symbol mm. that's heavy right yeah yeah it's it's a weird thing to to hear because on one hand this woman's husband just passed away so you don't it's not the kind of message you really 
feel good about celebrating, I guess. But. No, um, but I will say that when I, I, I've known, like I've never had hard times like that, but I know that I, the idea of a podcast or a TV show or a video game or a band or music or something helping um distract you from something horrible going on and to think that mm. just by choosing finding these stories and talking about them that we can reach someone at a dark time and just give them like a little bit of a distraction and maybe a little warm feeling in their ear uh, that is all the thanks that i think we'd ever need uh, for this podcast yeah no it's it's it feels good in a way that you know, I, I would wish to have never gotten this message because, again, it's it's coming from such a tragic situation. So, um, yeah, but certainly appreciate the listener sending it in, and and we're glad that we could help out. Let's um, let's move on to the next story here. But thank you for sending that, uh, Carly. Have you ever heard of the idea of distraction theft? Does that ring a bell to you? you ever hear that? Not before? under that specific title of distraction theft, but certainly I've I've heard of this type of thievery before. Yeah, I as well. I, I've never heard of distraction theft, but I've heard of situations like this. Uh, I'm going to play a story that comes out of Ontario, and apparently this is something that there's like a wave of this specific type of theft happening across Ontario, but has been happening not for months, but for years. This is like a, a common, I guess, scam that seems to primarily target the elderly and it involves distracting them and kind of overwhelming them and stealing from them at the same time. The story that I'm going to share, it was in the news where it, it involves a man who had, his gold necklace that his wife gave him stolen. And it's uh, it's interesting. Listen to this. Isa Demirovsky says two weeks ago, he was walking out of the Scarborough Town Center when he was approached by a woman. She walked up to him and put what looked like a gold chain around his neck. She put this chain around me and at the same time stole mine. And this is all fake. Fake. It looks like a gold, but it's all fake. As the woman put the chain on him, a man approached Demirovsky to buy what appeared to be gold jewelry. When he refused, the couple jumped into a dark SUV and drove off. Demirovsky says when he got home, his wife noticed his gold chain was missing. And my wife right away said, where is your chain? I said, oh my God, oh my God. I started panicking. He went to a jeweler and was told the chain and all the jewelry he had been given was worthless. Everything is fake. Demirovsky says the chain he was wearing was a gift from his wife. She had her gold jewelry melted down for the custom-made chain and cross, which they say is valued at about $4,000. Chain means everything to me that's sentimental as present from my wife. It's a cross. Every night when I go to bed, I'm praying. CTV News did a similar story in 2020 when a North York senior opened his door to a woman he didn't know. She placed a fake gold chain on his neck and removed a real gold chain he was wearing. Crime Stoppers has done a video warning the public about the scam and how quickly distraction thefts can happen. Be suspicious if anyone approaches you and tries to put jewelry on you or sell you gold rings or chains. Demirovsky regrets being so trusting. I feel so hopeless without that chain. I don't know about you, but if I'm outside of Walmart and someone comes and starts putting a gold chain on my neck and like putting it up over my head, I don't think I'm going to just stand there and let them do that. No, especially at the end of a global pandemic that we've been going through yeah. over the past almost three years now. I would and say that's like headbutt invitation or something. If someone, or like, at I least a, a prison shank to the ribs. <laughs> You know, just uh, a quick, no. But I could see how like a trusting older person who's a bit like calmer and a bit, maybe a bit slower to react uh, and slower to fly off the handle would allow, would be overwhelmed by it. Like what is happening? I don't want to be mean. And you know, that's, that's yeah. awful. And any crime that preys on someone's like kindness and vulnerability, that's just awful. Stick to 
I don't know, robbing major companies with cyber attacks. Yeah, stick to Indigo, attacking Indigo. That's what we, you know, we don't have any sympathy for them. No, this, yeah, they've been selling books at an inflated price. It's, uh, books cost more in Canada than the US. Yeah, I know. They always have. Magazines, like companies like Indigo have been, have been pulling at our hay for... <laughs> Do you remember a while ago, this is, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, but for a while, the Canadian dollar was like at par with the American yes, dollar. Yes, I remember that. Oh, and yeah. And there was this war because you would go to buy a book and it would be like, you know, in Canada, it's, or in the US, it's eleven ninety nine. In Canada, it's seventeen ninety nine. but our dollar was worth the same. So there was like this war at the stores. Yeah, it, we weren't getting any of the benefits on the commercial level yeah. of of our dollar finally being on par with the American dollar. Yeah, but th this guy, I feel horrible for that guy in the video. He was devastated over this. He was devastated. There was a lot of coverage of his dog in the video. I know for the listeners and not the viewers of this podcast, uh, they may not see the actual footage of the news uh, story, but there was a lot of footage of him and his dog. Yeah, I think they were just well, what there wasn't was footage of him and his wife And listening to that story and reading the articles. I didn't get the impression that his wife had passed away. No, me either, which is leading me to wonder if the dog is his wife. <laughs> oh, are we going to make fun of this guy? Yeah. Okay. What's with him and his dog? What is with him and his dog? <laughs> yes. The whole time I was watching the video, I'm just like, He's got something going on with that dog. I'm not saying it's romantic, but it's something. I'm thinking he's probably just nervous and he was sure. Uh, maybe the reporter's like this. I'm going to get the best interview out of him if he has that dog in his lap and he can pet the dog. And I doubt the reporter had anything to do with that dog's presence. I think he walked in and that dog was already duct taped to this man's chest. Um. I feel sorry for you, sir. I hope whoever stole your necklace gets busted. And uh, I do too. I don't want my you know, obsession with the man. I know I'm obsessed with his dog, so I guess I'm just as guilty as just, he is. Yeah, actually, I, yeah. I I do hope they eventually get arrested. But I also don't really have much of a problem with them trying to put a necklace on the wrong person outside of a Walmart someday. I know quite a few older people that would not take kindly to that. Yeah, I find this. Um, there's this style of crime to be so vintage. Like it's such a vintage thing of like, it's, it's as pure as, you know, you're at a crowded boardwalk in a very commercial town, like a very kind of, you know, Las Vegas or something, or, you know, where maybe a lot of pickpockets hang out, uh, New York city. Um, and you see it in the movies all the time and it's a tale as old as time and someone bumps into you and that physical, uh, that very brief moment of a physical altercation of just being bumped into and someone apologizing and saying sorry and you saying oh no problem and then you keep on going about your business and then later realizing that you're missing your wallet or you're missing a gold chain or whatever because just that physical bump distracted you so you didn't feel the hand go into your back pocket and take your wallet out yeah so it's well it's the whole thing it's called distraction theft because the distraction mixed with like this it's called like sleight of hand you know that a lot of magic mm -hmm. tricks will do it's so you just need to distract them for a second so you can do what you got to do with your hands and in this it case takes talent to do it it's not oh hell yeah there's not no anybody can just do that that's what i what i oddly appreciate about this story and what these thieves are doing is that they're very old school about it. Yeah, well, if I know if someone said to me, will you take my necklace off? That that will be a whole procedure for me to get that off of their neck to figure out how the thing Yeah, there's just a and... lot going on at once when the, when these are happening and and the jewelry is flying about. Yeah. The fact that they're able to do that is impressive and we have to give them that credit. Again, we should stress it's we don't want people to rob the elderly. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I don't I want it to happen. I don't want them to. I think the person who can, in a split second, pop a necklace off somebody, I think that per, or pull something out of their pocket while bumping them, the distraction thieves, they should move into busking or magic shows because yeah, I, but there's know. way less money in busking than there is in 
uh, stealing four thousand dollar gold chains. Yeah, you're right. Oh man. So I don't like know. Like you, what... you and I have done it before. Like sat on the boardwalk busking. Like what do we make six bucks in a day? And then we well, we have a story fries. to tell. We have a story to tell for the rest of our lives. Lives about yeah, busking. Yeah, yeah. You, you may have told that story on this show before. I don't know. But... Uh, well, let's call it the the glue fume. Or was it gas fumes? It was yeah. It was a gasoline. It was a some kind of a small gas. Yeah, we were busking on the the Sydney boardwalk in Cape Breton, uh, representing our band Airport, and someone sat down and was enjoying our music. Sat across from us, yeah, on the boardwalk. I didn't really smell it too much, but they were enjoying. They were really enjoying the music to the point that they took out a rag soaked in gas, and they were just. They had a little contain, little canister, and they were pouring it into the into the gas the, under the, the cloth rag. and then put in the cloth of their face listening to us and then they wandered off after you know 10 minutes or so of doing that in front of us and then they wandered off and left their jacket i remember that and the jacket just stunk of Reek gas of gas yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the story Let's move on to our final story of the evening, but we're not done yet because I backloaded the listener mail. We got some interesting mail to catch up on and we'll end this the episode with that. But first, this story is a short one, but when I read through it in my head, it is the plot of a 1980s horror movie. Uh, this story largely comes from a police press release from the city of Guelph. Listen to this. According police, okay, the headline of the article I found was Guelph police have arrested a 35-year-old man, they say, chased two teens with a machete. According to police, the teens, aged 14 and 15, were playing hide-and-seek on Saturday at about 9.30 p.m. when the incident happened. The pair were running through a townhouse complex looking for a spot to hide when they were confronted by a man they didn't know who was holding a machete. The teens started running away and the man allegedly chased them, brandishing the weapon. Police said he then went up to a townhouse and damaged the door by repeatedly kicking it. Police say when officers arrived, they arrested him and he's now charged with three counts of assault with a weapon, possession of a weapon for a dangerous purpose and mischief under $5,000. He's been released on bail and and is scheduled to appear in Guelph court in March. So when you play that through, I just, the reason I chose the story is because imagine like a horror movie where it starts with a game of hide and seek and then, you know, just there's kids running around hiding behind cars and it's all quiet and they're worried their friend's going to find them. And then all of a sudden this man is just standing there with a machete chasing after them. They run to get away from him into a townhouse only to have this man with a machete kicking at the door, likely screaming God knows what at the people behind the door while they're horrified calling police. And luckily in this case, it's not a horror movie because the police arrive in time to catch this guy before he gets the door down with his machete Mm -hmm. without knowing any more to the story than that press release. What is your theory on what is happening here? I don't have a theory about this story. It sounds like just a dude going rogue with a machete. I don't know. Like, why would you sound... have a machete in Guelph? Machetes, like it. It's funny because a memory of this, like a memory I haven't thought of since I was a kid, popped into my mind uh, listening to this story. And I remember sitting in my basement. I probably was ten years old or something. And my sister, or no, maybe I was a little older, maybe twelve or something like that, pretty young. And my sister had this boyfriend over, so they probably would have been. 13 14 years old or something like that and we're and i was just watching tv in the basement and they came in and they were hanging out and he's like hey hey buddy and i'm like yeah he's like ever see a machete before and he's this older kid so when you're that young when you're 11 years old 10 years old someone who's 14 seems really old to you and scary you know so i'm like no and then he pulls out out of his pants a big machete oh my god And i remember looking at it like oh my god that's scary because machetes to me or especially as a kid are only associated with murderers and monsters you know and so the poor machete has really gotten a bad rap over the ever since horror movies in the 80s really and now they're only thought of as a murderous weapon right up there with pitchforks yeah 
Yeah, pitchforks. Yeah, it's very scary. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully this. I I don't know what I hope for with this story. I'm just glad they got the guy before he got the kids with the machete. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a movie released about it at some point in time. We'll oh, get yeah. all the details then. We, yeah, we'll watch the movie and we'll do a follow up. Mm-hmm. Maybe a watch along with horror and Guelph. Horror and Guelph. Yeah, machete man. Uh, well, let's listen or let's um catch up on a few last pieces of listener mail before we wrap this up. The first one involves a product that was seen on sale at a local flea market. Listen to this. Hey, Jordan and Aaron, check out Haligonia's latest Instagram post. Uh, It has a Tim Hortons TV. Just to your point that they will slap their name on anything and try to sell it. I just wanted to point that out to you guys. Check it out. That's so funny because I saw that the other day when I was scrolling through Instagram and I was going to take a screenshot and send it to you. And I was like, Jordan already knows about this. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I was at the flea market because I go every week and I saw it for sale. I almost considered buying it. It was a Tim Hortons brand of TV. I saw it there. And if you don't know what Haligonia is, it's like a Halifax based kind of like uh, blog sort of thing where they just share like relevant news to Halifax. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. sure enough, Tim Hortons TV doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's again, it's how spaghetti against the wall they are with their marketing and with their product development this is an hd tv it has three hdmi ports um the whatever ratio they're looking at is 10,000 to 1 60 hertz i don't know it's a 2011 platinum tim horton award so it gave (laughs) themselves an award for like best tv (laughs) it won best tv that year it's a 15-inch LED TV. You suck, Tim Hortons. At first, when I saw it, I thought it was maybe for a drive through or something, like they made their own drive through screens. But no, it is a consumer product. Like, so bad. Well, no surprise at this point in time from Terrible Tim's. Now, last thing are two... Uh, voice memos we got related to tobogganing. So we covered last last week this, uh, uh, I think it was Ottawa, Ontario, was looking at the option or the possibility of regulating um, tobogganing in uh, in their city or sledding or sliding, which apparently is the phrase people often use in Newfoundland. I got two uh, lists and we called out to people, let us know if, if tobogganing or sledding or sliding or whatever you call it is interesting in your city. Here's what we got. The first one's from Brampton. I'm just binge listening to you guys and caught up to your episodes about the tobogganing, sledding, whatever you want to call it. Brampton has a hill that they reserve for sledding, skiing, and snowboarding. It used to be the Brampton Dump. It is called Chinkuzi Hill. I don't know what their minds were when they thought about that. But you know what? The kids love it. Keep up the good work, guys. Love listening to your show. And enjoy. Sledding at the dump in Brampton. Why not, right? Well, what better thing to dump at the dump in Brampton is a bunch of children's unconscious bodies as they (laughs) get into sledding accidents at the bottom of the hill. Here's another. This one is from Calgary. Hey guys, love the show. This is Brian from Calgary. I just listened to your episode about tobogganing and such. And here in Calgary, they've recently made a a list of all the hills you can actually sled on. So if you go to like City of Calgary website, it'll show you where you can and can't go tobogganing, which is absolute horse crap. I don't agree with it. My solution is to pretend i have no idea what they're talking about but a sled it's my favorite thing to do with my family get a bunch of adults to pile onto one sled you'll never giggle harder it'll hurt but it's fun anyways just thought i'd share that and aaron about your salty attitude keep it up i fucking love that and i fucking hate everyone and everything all at once Hopefully we can do that together. Okay. Anyways, thanks. Love you. Bye-bye. Oh. Uh, you and Brian got to go. Yeah. Sledding. I've never been described as salty before in my life. I don't know how I feel about that. There's something underlying in that comment that 
is disturbing <laughs> to me, but I'll take it. Salty, I'm, I am. Yeah, uh, I'll yeah. be I salty with you, uh, Brian. Yeah, I love his way of handling the the regulations. Is I'm just going to pretend I don't know. Well, he's so salty. <laughs> he's also salty like <laughs> yeah. me. You know, this two salts in a salt shaker go sledding yeah. together. It's... <laughs> so I'd love to go sledding uh, with get... him and and uh, end up at the bottom of the dump. <laughs> in Brampton. Mm. Uh, yeah, I loved that message. Yeah, it was now, great. I think there's going to be another Freedom Convoy type protest in downtown Ottawa over this tobogganing issue. Oh, now that is one I'll show. Yeah, up yeah, me too. I'll be there. Even though I haven't gone tobogganing in years, I still, I strongly support at risk of my own life uh, and the well-being of my family, the right to toboggan wherever I darn well toot and choose. Let this be the last thing I say. Regarding the inappropriate sabotage of Handsome Aaron Airport's reputation, I have to say I was saddened by how mean people can be. Handsome Aaron Airport, you are a huge part of the show. I love your input and your laid back, hilarious and droll comments. D-R-O-L-L, -L. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that word. Droll comments. You're quirky, lovable, and have a uniquely interesting point of view. I look forward to every week. I look forward every week to new episodes. Keep Canada Weird is a welcome respite from everything else I drift to online. I find it oddly soothing listening to two chums chew the fat over weirdness surrounding we Canadians. But don't let the freaks get you down. P.S. I also think the band you guys had together was funky and fun. Your voice is as idiosyncratic as you are. You, Aaron Airport, my friend, are to be celebrated and not berated. I'm so glad you're staying with Keep Canada Weird. Best wishes from Sue in Lunenburg. Mm, Sue. So that's it. An airport shout out. Yeah, to yeah. Nice awesome. to hear. That's, that. It was very rare anyone shouts us out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we'll put an end to these uh, supportive, handsome Aaron Airport. Are you kidding me? I find it so unusual to listen to, to be honest. Okay. I find it very right. well, uncomfortable. Well, let's, let's put it to bed. I'd rather listen to hate to mail than I would positive stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's put it. Yeah, to yeah, bed yeah. Then. Let's do that. You're... We've, we've. I think we've covered it. You know, with two episodes we spent on it. I would absolutely welcome more hate mail, though, because I can actually sink my uh, salty teeth into that. Okay, what I'll do is the rest of the the positive mail that I received from you, because I have a folder full stored of it. away until it's no. Needed. What? I, no, yeah. that's not what I'm going to do. Oh, what I'm going to do is when this episode ends. After the end credits, you're going to hear just a collage of crew members of the Aaron Airport fan club. Aaron, if you choose to listen to it, if you're ever feeling down, if you're having a bad day, just download the February 19th episode of Keep Canada Weird. Scroll to the end and you'll just have love mm -hmm. sprayed all over you. I'm so salty. <laughs> uh, but... Let this be the last I'll ever ask you then, because I've spent the last two weeks buttering you up. Are you going to stick around? Yeah. Are you going to stay? Yeah, I'm going to stay. Uh, I have a full year's subscription to podcasting vitamin water to drink while I record. It would be an absolute waste of money for me to give up at this point in time. So haters are going to hate. Vitamin water will refresh and keeping Canada weird will move forward with Handsome Man Airport and my best bud. Giordano. So unless the Toronto police call Aaron with a better opportunity, we're good. I will take that opportunity in a I will second understand over it. keeping <laughs> Canada weird. Absolutely. $300,000 to record a terrible podcast. For a bunch Why of Why not? Sign sure. me up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, well, let's wrap this up, Aaron. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, watch us on a Tim's TV. Or don't watch us on a Tim's TV. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mandate to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out to you for even greater support. If something weird happens in your part of the country, we want to hear about it. And the best way to let us know is by sending us a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We both hope to hear from you. Now, before we part here, let me end with some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron Airport for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of the show. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you goes out to every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. 
With me on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Dark Canuck, Colin, and Scythea, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support this show but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can help keep Canada weird by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or would like to contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com. We both hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Hello, my name is Cole. I live in Oregon, and I came to weigh in on the air and airport debate or trial. Um, so I think uh, Aaron Airport is not overly negative. I think he's got a great, you know, sense of humor. It's a little dark and um, whatnot, but I think it plays off great for Jordan's style. It's kind of like a little fire and water, and you need that dynamic to have a podcast that's entertaining i don't think he's searching to disagree with anyone and everything i think that uh it's kind of like sometimes it's like a sarcastic take it's a devil's advocate you know and you're it's how you get meaningful discussions out of anything if you just sat there and agreed it, it would just the conversations would end and go nowhere I think uh, another issue is that people are just uh, sensitive nowadays. I don't know. Maybe I have thick skin because I work in a jail. But um, I don't think he's personally attacking anyone or anything. I think people are taking it way too personal and that um, maybe they're a little bit uh, sensitive, so to say. So um, uh, the show wouldn't be the same without Aaron. I've listened to everyone. It's great. It's a good dynamic. Uh, Don't change a thing. Keep Canada weird. Thanks for uh, hearing me out. You rock, Aaron. Don't change. Hey, Aaron. I have been listening to your podcast, the two of you, since, let's say, two years now. And I am a former Cape Bretoner who who lives in Alberta. I find both of you guys very refreshing. I love listening to you. And Mr. Aaron, while you may be a little bit negative, well, not really, but let's put it this way. To the snowflakes who can't handle it, there's a button. You can shut it off. But don't ruin it for the rest of us. I quite enjoy them, and I quite enjoy the podcast. So hang in there, bud. Keep your chin up. And as my ma would say... Pick your dip off the floor before you trip over it. So keep on going. Keep Canada weird. Please keep Aaron Airport. He's just a great part of the show. I think he's absolutely hilarious. I love his droll sense of humor. He's very moral. I think he's a wonderful human being. Keep Aaron Airport. Keep Aaron Airport. Aaron, stay with the show. We'd miss you so much. Have a great day. Happy Valentine's.